Good evening and good Yom Tov. Today is Pesach Sheni, a holiday that we're going to be speaking all about at length and in depth as we study a Maimer, a Hasidic discourse of the Rebbe entitled Lahoven Inyan Pesach Sheni, all about understanding the idea, the concept of this holiday called the Second Passover. The, the discourse was originally delivered Motzah Shabbos Kedish Parshas Emer, that means on the Saturday night, on the evening following the Shabbos of Parshas Emer, um, which was the Shabbos was Yud Gimel Ir, the 13th day of the Hebrew month of Ir, which is the yard site of the Rebbe's brother, Rabbi Yisrael Ayyaleb. And it was the evening that had just turned Yud Dalad, the 14th meaning the date of Pesach Sheni. Just a little bit of background that the Mimer itself doesn't get into, but uh, just some very basic ideas. Pesach, or Passover, is uh, as a holiday, but it's also a sacrifice. It's an offering. It was brought in the times of the Temple. And it was brought on the, on the 14th day of the month of Nisan. Uh, the, the redemption took place on the 15th, and the first day of Pesach is the 15th, but the sacrifice was done on the eve of the holiday, on, on the 14th. There were people who missed the first Passover, or at that time it was the only Passover, as, as you'll see from the, from the narrative, uh, because they were ritually impure and therefore disqualified, disqualified from bringing the sacrifice. And they came to Meish Rabbeinu. This is in the, in the wilderness, during the 40 years in the wilderness. And they, they said, Lamanigoda, why should we be left out? Why should we be inferior? Is there anything that can be done? And they didn't anticipate that the answer would be that they would be given a second chance, a second Passover, Pesach Sheni, exactly a month after the first Pesach, on the 14th day of Iyer. And much of what the Maimer speaks about is the difference, the contrast between the first month, the month of Nisan, where the first Passover took place, and the second month, the month of Iyer, when the, when the second Passover took place. That's what we're going to be doing a lot, is comparing the themes of Nisan and Iyer as first month and second month, and everything that that represents, in order to understand the first Passover and the second Passover. A lot of times, you know, when, when, you, when you hear that something is the second, you know, that's like the, like the second best, or, or, or an imitation even, or a replica, and one of the themes of this mimer is to bring out that actually, quite to the contrary, that the second Passover is not second fiddle to the first Passover, but in many ways is even greater than the first Passover. It's even greater than the Passover that it is emulating, and uh, in some ways even incomparably greater. What does that all mean? Uh, with Hashem's help, we'll study uh, inside the text, and we will, we will, uh, find, uh, we will find out. Uh, we have handouts. A uh, PDF has been provided, which has vowels to make it easier to read, and extra spacing has been put in between uh, sections, as well as notes in the margin with English subtitles just to help us to keep track of the different sections and the progression of thoughts in, in the Mimer. Okay, without further ado, let's jump right in.
Lahov and Yin Yin Pesach Sheni, in order to better understand the idea of Pesach Sheni, of the second Passover, Mavor Admorat Samach Tzedek Bemaimore Dibramaschoze. The Tzemach Tzedek, the third Rebbe of Chabad, explained in a mimer of his own, with, with the same opening words as this mimer of the Rebbe, the Indian Pesach Sheni Yovon That in order to understand Pesach Sheni, we have to do so by way of three Hakdomes, three prefaces. Okay. What's the first preface? The first Hagdama, the first preface is, we have to understand the difference, to understand the difference between the first Pesach and the second Pesach, you have to understand the difference between the months in which those Pesachs, or rather, say properly, Psachim, is the actual proper plural, um, to understand the difference between the two Passovers. You have to understand the difference between the two months in which they occur. The first Passover took place in the month called Nisan. The second Passover took place in the month called Iyar. Now, just a, a side note, but the names of the months are not of biblical origin. In Torah itself, it refers to the months numerically. The first month, and why, why is the first month called the first month? Because that's the first month of our leaving Egypt. And it's actually the first mitzvah that we were given was to start the lunar calendar. So the first month that we were able to keep uh, as a mitzvah of keeping a calendar, that was the month that we left Egypt. That's ni- what we call Nisan. Uh, then the second month would be the month after that, which, which we call Iyar. So the first preface is we have to understand the difference between the first month and the second month in terms of what? Avedis Ha'adam, man's service of Hashem. The month of Nisan, which is the most, uh, the most uh, archetypical event, the event that sort of represents the essence of Nisan, is Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, the Exodus, which is, in terms of Aveda, in terms of our service of Hashem, going away from evil. Sur Merah. This is a, a verse from Tehillim. Sur Merah Vasetayv. Go away from evil and do good. So, Sur Merah. Go away from evil. Because when we were leaving Mitzrayim, we were literally fleeing evil. Hainu Shorahu Betokbei. Meaning to say that the evil is still in full force. The evil has not been mitigated. Vavoydehi liye Sur Merah. And the task is, our job is just to get away from it. We can't do anything to the evil, but we can just flee from it. To, to leave and to flee from the evil. In other words, iskafia. To use the uh, Kabbalistic Aramaic phrase, iskafia. Skafia is kfia, means subjugation. That means that I haven't changed my animalistic desires. I still want things that I that I shouldn't want, and I don't want things that I should want, and that hasn't that hasn't changed. But I can control myself. Iskafia. So a little self-control. Even though emotionally the ra 
the evil, that means the selfishness, the, the animalistic instincts, are still in their full strength, but I'm not allowing them to express themselves behaviorally. Okay, so that's the first month, which is Nisan, which is leaving Egypt, which means getting away from evil, which means in, 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 personal, in terms of personal spiritual growth, I haven't changed my feelings, I haven't changed what I like or what I desire, but I'm able to go away from it, meaning behaviorally, not to do it, not to, not to indulge in it, not to give in to it. Okay. In contrast, the Aveda, the spiritual task that's associated with or equivalent to the idea of Iyar, the second month, What's the special signature, the hallmark of the second month? Just like the first month, Nisan, is associated with Exodus, the historical leaving Egypt which took place in that month. So the second month is associated with Sfiras Ha'aymer. That there's a special mitzvah every day. Iyer, interestingly enough, is the only month of the entire Jewish year where you have a special biblical commandment, a different special biblical commandment every single day of that month. Because even though Sfira is a process which starts in Nisan and it ends in Sivan, but Iyer is the only month where you have Sfira every day, and therefore it's the only month where you have a special biblical commandment to do every single day. Meaning each day is a different mitzvah to count for you know to to count uh, the the first day, the second day, the third day, and so on and so forth. Each each day is is its own mitzvah. So ear is associated with svirasa aimer, which is what he who avaded the svirasa aimer shenyanahu birer hamidis vafichosam likdusha ishapcha. Svirasa aimer counting the aimer. Sfira doesn't just mean counting, it means sapir, it means shining like a sapphire. It means refining, polishing the animalistic emotions and actually transforming them into holiness. In other words, is hapcha. So if we have the first month, nisun, meaning run away from evil, like running away from Egypt, and that's called iskafia, Right, the, 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 the Egypt, the evil in, in me is still very intact, but I'm running away from it, meaning behaviorally I'm controlling myself and not giving into it. That's one paradigm. And then you have the second paradigm, the second month, Iyer, which is Sfirah Sa'aymer, where I'm actually transforming my insides and I'm changing from animalistic to selfless what I'm actually motivated by. And that's so, so, so we have basically first month, second month, as iskafia and isabcha. Control yourself or actually change yourself. Those are the two paradigms. Okay. Vezeu mashakoso be'achad l'chedesh ha'sheni gemer l'tzei sa'ome eretz mitzrayim. This is also the meaning of what it says. It says, uh, there's a verse in Torah that says, uh, in the beginning of uh, Bamidbar, that on the first day of the second month of their leaving Egypt, what happened, we'll, we'll talk about it later, but there was a census. They, they counted the, the Jewish people. On the first day of the second month. Why do we refer to the second month as the second month from leaving Egypt? Because it's the second phase that comes after leaving Egypt. The first phase is Iskafia, where we're actually still 
contending with the evil, which is still in its full strength. However, afterwards, what ensues, we come to the level where we are actually able to make a change inside, to reorient our motives. A second Aveda, or let's call a second phase of Aveda, which is equivalent to the second month. So in other words, look at it like this. There's a progression. The first thing that happens is, I have this evil, which I call Mitzrayim, and I can't get rid of it, but I can flee from it. What does that mean, flee from it? I can refuse to, to give in to it, and I can make my behaviors otherwise. I can behave not in accordance with these, these feelings, but I can't get rid of them. That's, and that's phase one, and, and, and that's got to be good enough, because w w when you're in phase one, I mean, or let's say before phase one, when you're in phase zero, phase zero is you're still in Mitzrayim, you can't have the luxury of saying, you know, hold on a second, let me, let me refine myself, and I'll become a mensch, and then we'll run out of Egypt. No, we don't have time to become mentioned. we got to get out of here. This is a, this is a sakona, this is a, this is a spiritual danger, we have to flee. So the first thing, you just flee. And it's not deep, and it's not transformative. It, 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 you're just saving yourself, but you got to do it. You got to make that move. So I don't feel it, and I haven't changed myself, and I have, and not really congruent with it. But I got to make a move because otherwise I'm going to be sucked in. So I just got to change what I can change right now. You white knuckle it. You just force yourself to 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 to, to behave, even though you you might even be be hating it. But you you, you do what you can do. That's called a scaffold. Okay. We understand why that has to be phase one. But after phase one, there has to be a phase two. Phase two is, okay, now you're safe. Now you're not stuck in the Mitzrayim, meaning you're not doing the things that were, that were damaging you and damaging your relationship with Hashem. Okay, so now you're controlling yourself. What are you going to do? You're going to white-knuckle it forever? You're just going to keep controlling yourself? Just continue to behave in spite of, 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 of your desires? No, now it's time to do the surgery. Now you got to look inside and start to change your desires. Start reorienting. Start changing what you like and what you dislike, and and doing the real uh, the inner work. So that's Hagdoma Ho Aleph, the first preface. That the difference between the first month and the second month is the difference between control yourself and change yourself, which are representative of Nisan and Ear, or uh, rather, I should say, the difference between the first Passover and the second Passover is control yourself or change yourself, which is equivalent to the difference between the first month and the second month, Nisan and Ear. Fine, that's Hagdama Ho Aleph, the first preface. Hagdama Abeis, the second preface. Now we're going to talk about the first pa Passover and the second Passover, the first month and the second month again, but in different terms, a little bit in a, in a, in a different context. Hagdama Abeis, the second preface. Now we're going to talk about comparing and contrasting Nissen and Ir in terms of Spheroes. What are Spheroes? Spheroes are emanations. They are uh, the manner in which the infinite communicates with the finite. They are Hashem's attributes. So we're going to speak about how Nissen and Ir correspond to different spheroes or different emanations or, or attributes of godliness. The Chedisharishain Hubemalchus. Chedisharishain, the first month, Nissen, is uh, equivalent with Malchus. Malchus is 
the lowest sphere, the tenth of the ten spheres, and, and, and the lowest, which is going to be a little bit a little bit counterintuitive uh, as we go forward, but we'll we'll straighten that out. Just so, just put that on the back burner for a moment. Um, we're calling here for 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 our purposes. We're calling Malchus not the final sfera, the culminating sfera, um, but we're calling it actually the first sfera. If you're working from below to above, uh, what does that mean? That means if if you're thinking about say the Rishtalshlis, the evolution of world building as a process that originates from chachma, from that idea, and then it goes into emotions, and then it goes into execution. So then Malchus is the culminating phase, the last phase. But um, if you're thinking about it in terms of our reaching up heavenward and trying to uh, connect to Hashem, so then actually Malchus is the first sphere that you encounter if we're working from below to above. So Malchus is the first sphere in that, in that sense. And therefore, consequently, the second month, who Yesoid corresponds to Yesoid, Sphira Hasheni or Sphira Hashnia, the second sphere, again, if you're, count, if you're working your way upward. Normally, I know, we think of Yesoid as the penultimate sphere, the ninth out of the ten, and that Malchus is the ultimate, is the last one, is the tenth out of the ten. But here it's the reverse. Malchus, because we're working our way up. So Malchus is the first sphere you encounter, and then if you keep going up, higher than Malchus is, is Yesoid. Okay. Mavaba Maimer. And the Tzemach Tzedek explains in his Maimer that the two things that we've said already about the first month and the second month are really interconnected. The first thing we said about them in the first preface is that they correspond to two different modes of service, skafia or sapcha, which we call control yourself or change yourself. And then we said spherotically, if you like that word, in terms of spheroids, they correspond to Malchus and Yesoid, respectively. And now what we're going to say is that really those two ways of describing the difference between the first month and the second month, those two things really go together. They're really two ways of saying the same thing. As it's explained in Teda a mimer of the Alter Rebbe, uh, which starts off with the words from Parshas Vayeshev, and and behold, we were uh, bundling bundles in the field. This is referring to the narrative about Yosef Atzadik, his dream, the dream that one of the two dreams that he he told his brothers about that I had a dream that we were bundling bundles of grain out in the field, uh, and if you remember, they bundled the bundles and then. Uh, their bundles bowed down to his bundle. Okay. This is what it says in the Alter Rebbe's Maimir and Teirah This is basically the sugya of Birarishin and Birasheni. The first refinement and the second refinement. You know, like triple distilled vodka. Okay, so this is like double distilled. One beer and then another beer. What's, what's the idea? 
One level of bira of refinement is represented by the fact that the shvatim, the, the, the brothers, took the grain and they, they bundled, they're out in the field, which represents in the physical world, right? The soul comes down into a world, it's in the field, so to speak. And it's picking up these seemingly separate things, right? You're out in the physical world and you're encountering all types of things and it, and it feels like you're fragmented, like this part of my life is work and this part of my life is home and then this, this part of my life is religious and this part of my life is mundane, right? So that's the, 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 the lie of the, the physical world that looks fragmented. So the bearer is just the fact that you're able to take these separate pieces and put them together, like a bundle. Like taking different pieces of grain and bundling them. So that's Bira Rishain, that's the first level of Bira. And that's represented by the brothers of Yosef, the Shvatim, who are on a lower level spiritually than Yosef. And they're a lower level, and hence the, the level of refinement that they're able to accomplish is a lower level of refinement. Okay. Another way of describing that first level of Bira, Hurak Bittel Hayesh Dugmas Iskafia. That is only what we call bitalayesh, nullifying the the um, the sense of ego. In other words, rather than feeling I exist unto myself as an independent being, no, I'm a dependent being. I'm not independent, I'm dependent. I'm dependent upon Hashem. So that's called bitalayesh, and that's roughly equivalent also to iskafia. Which we, which we spoke about before as, you know, I can't surrender my feelings to Hashem. I still feel what I feel, but I can control myself for Him, okay? So we're going consistently here. We're, we're, we're comparing the first mode, which is Escafia, control yourself, even though you haven't yet changed yourself. We're comparing that to the first level of Birr, the first refinement, which is gathering the, the, uh, the, the grains together, making them into a bundle, which... Um, we're saying is also equivalent to the brothers who are also on the level of Malchus. So that's all very consistent. But then there's a second bira, there's a second refinement, where the bundled grains bow down. And they show their, their subjugation, they show their surrender by, by, by bowing, and bowing to the bundle of Yosef, which Yosef represents the tzaddik. Yosef is, is known as Yosef tzaddik. That's also how we see Yosef is, is, is the sphere of Yesoid, because tzaddik Yesoid Eilam, like it says uh, in Mishli. So the second bearer is now, now, and now everything is bundled already, now in the bundles it subjugates itself to the tzaddik to be used for only holy purposes. The first bira is just realizing that everything is one and putting it into one bundle. The second bira is actually using it for the service of Hashem. That's the, that's the second refinement. So the first bira is the level of the shvatim, which is malchus, which is equivalent to eskafia, controlling yourself even before you've changed yourself. The second bira is like Yosef, which is yesoid, which is what we're about to say, Oh, and also the first one is like bitel hayesh, just not feeling like uh, an independent existence, recognizing that you're a dependent existence. But the second bira we say here is bira sheni hushiyin nichol belakus bitel b'metzias. That's a higher level than bitel hayesh. Bitel hayesh is I, I, I'm not an independent existence; I'm a dependent existence. 
Bittu B'Metziya says, who said I'm in existence? Who said I exist? There's only one existence. It's all Hashem. And that's Dugma Sishapcha. That's like the level of Aveda where we've actually thoroughly surrendered ourselves inside. And we don't have our own will anymore. We're just channeling God's will. Okay, so that was the second preface. And, and, and also a, a reconciliation of the first preface with the second preface, showing how they're consistent with each other. Okay. Hagdama Gimel, now the third preface. We said there are three prefaces. Okay, Hagdama Gimel, the third preface. He, it is. The Indian Pesach, Pesach Meloshin Dilo Gukfitza. Pesach, we call it in English Passover. It's actually one of the rare times it's a pretty good translation. Um, Passover. Pesach means to jump, to leap. To skip. Pesach means, in spiritual terms, something that sidesteps the process. Normally, things have to trickle down. They have to go through different stages. We are talking about before, things have to go one phase to the next phase in a, in a normal progression. So jumping or skipping means express train instead of local train. Something from a lofty level, boom. Or, or conversely, if we're going up, then all of a sudden, boom, you just you hit, you hit the top floor of the building without having to do all the, the, the stops on each floor. Like it's explained in Lukotitera, that that is the meaning of Pesach. Okay, so now if we understand what Pesach is, and we have two things called Pesach, Basically, a Pesach has a jump, and we have two things called Pesach. We have two kinds of jump. Okay. Let's, let, let's continue. So he explains in the Maimer. Back to the Tzemech Tzedek. So Pesach Sheni is also a jump. If Pesach Rishon, if the first Pesach means jumping, so Pesach Sheni is also jumping. Which means, it means we're getting something from a loftier level and not having it go through the normal process that normally mitigates it or puts a damper on it or filters it um, and, and, and sort of translates it step by step so that by the time it gets down here, it's you know, already um, diluted. No, this is full strength stuff, heavenly energy, boom, coming straight down to you without being uh, processed or, or, or compromised. So that's what a jump is. The first Pesach is a jump. The second Pesach is also a jump. Okay, what's the difference? So what's the difference between the two jumps? It's the difference in the place to where the jump jumps, like where it lands up, as, all, as well as in the manner of the jumping. Okay. The Pesach Rishen Ksiv, regarding the first Pesach, it says, Upasach Avaya ala Pesach. Hashem jumped over or passed over the doorway. Pesach with a, with a saf, the doorway. Sham Shocha, Shabederech Dilog, Upasach, Hoysab, Pesach, Svirs Hamalchos. The jumping over was the jumping over of the doorway, which the doorway is Malchos. Malchos is called a doorway. Malchus is um, 
you know, sometimes Seder Ishtauslis is represented by the ineffable name, by, the, by Hashem's four-letter name, Yud Kevavke, with Yud being the little point of Chochmah, and He being the broadening of it into Bina, and Vav being the six emotions. Vav is numerically six, and those are the six emotions. It's also drawing down, the, the, the actually... It looks like the, the, the image of above is like a line, like a pipeline. The, what, that's what the emotions do. They draw the energy downward. And then the, the lower hay, which is the broadening again. So And, and that's malchus. Malchus is, is, is a hay, which a hay, what is a hay? A hay is a letter with openings. There's an opening at the top. There's an opening at the bottom. Uh, hay is also feminine. Uh, there's the higher hay and the lower hay, the higher mother and the lower mother. Uh, she's open because in order to become pregnant and, and in order to give birth. And that's essentially, Bina does it on a higher level. Intellectually, she gives birth to the emotions. Malchus does it on, the, on, on a lower level. She becomes pregnant with the emotions and gives birth to lower worlds. So that the hay, which is Malchus, the lower hay, which is Malchus of Atzilus, gives birth to uh, the lower worlds, what we call Elamus Bia, Bria Yitzira Asiya. So Malchus is this feminine uh, sphera which represents opening. Um, and the Pesach, the opening or the doorway, is a byword for Malchus. So when you say the first Pesach was a Pesach, a jumping over, the Pesach, the opening or the doorway, it's a, it's a way of hinting to Malchus. Now that's in lofty Spheroist terms, but what does it mean in, in personal terms? It's talking about the lower fear, which is referred to as the gate to Hashem. Let's, let's explain that. Um, there are obviously different levels of motives for serving Hashem, but the most basic level is what we call yiratato, lower level fear. And, and I don't like the word fear because it, like, it implies like, you know, a boogeyman in my closet. But what it really means, yiratato, just means uh, basic self-awareness. Like, um, you know, the famous story, Rabbi Yechem and Zakai said to his Talmidim, he says, I, I, I bless you, you should all be as God-fearing as you are of people. They said, you should just fear God only as much as people. He said, yeah, of course, because you see, when people sin, they, want, they look around and make sure nobody's watching. You know, <laughs> they're not worried that God is watching. They're worried that people are watching. So I wish that people would be as afraid of God watching as they are of people watching. What does that mean? The lowest level of sin is just to be self-aware. Like, I wouldn't do things that are inappropriate or unbecoming uh, just, you know, because it's, it's not nice. It's not right. Okay. It's not like I have a huge love. It's not like I have a huge awe. But yiratato, basic self-discipline, self-containment, boundaries and limits that I place upon myself because Hashem is watching, so you know, control yourself a little bit. It's not a very lofty motivation, but it's called shala Hashem, the gate to Hashem, because at least it gets you in the game. It, that's, that's how you start. So malchus, that, that's how you say it in terms of spheroids. But in terms of Avedas Hashem, Avedas HaAdam, the way that we experience it, it, it's called a basic level of, of spiritual sensitivity. Nothing so gewaldic, but just basic spiritual sensitivity that makes you control your behavior. 
Again, you're not changing your emotions yet. You can't. You can't touch your emotions. You can't change them yet. But you're, you're controlling your behavior. Okay? Shehi sheirish sumera. That is also the source for going away from evil. In other words, control yourself. Don't do things that are inappropriate. Okay? So that is the first jump. Pesach Rishon, the first Pesach. The second Pesach, though, reaches a deeper level or a higher level. It reaches Yesoid. First Pesach only reached Malchus. The second Pesach got all the way up to Yesoid. What does that mean? Yesoid is connection and love. Okay, we have to explain that. What does that mean that your sight is connection and love? Um, first of all, you, you know the idea of the of the three patriarchs corresponding to the three emotions, right? That the Avram is Chesed and Yitzchak is Gvura and Yankiv is Tiferes. Okay, so that's that triad on the emotional level. Um, what is what is Yosef? Yosef has a funny role in all this, because in a certain way, Yosef is like a replica of his father Yankiv. Tildes Yankiv, Yosef, the 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 offspring of Yankiv. I mean, Yankiv had twelve sons, but Yosef is like the continuation of Yankiv. In 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 what and, and biographically. Many of the things that happened to Yankiv happened to Yosef. His brothers hated him. He had to leave his land. Many, many different uh, comparisons. But spiritually, you have you have Avram and Yitzchok, right vector, left vector, and then you have the middle, which is Tiferes, which is Yankiv. Boom! You go down from the emotional spheres to the attitudinal spheres. Right? If if love and awe are, are, and and compassion are emotions. Then, then what do you call the, the next lower rung? They're like attitudes. They're not emotions anyway. They're more closer to my subapoil, to actual execution. They're, they're attitudes. Um, and the middle one is called Yesoid. So Yesoid is sort of like Tiferes, boom, brought down closer to action. And uh, in that way, Yesif is sort of, in a way, sort of like a fourth uh, Patriarch, although there's only three patriarchs. You know, by the way, there was this one guy, one time he was learning Bavakama. And uh, so he, he was learning Arba Aves. He stopped. He said, hold on a second. There's only three Aves. So someone said, read the next word. He says, ah, I like to learn Be'iun. Okay. Um, <laughs> ask your Rosh Hashiva to explain the joke. Trust me, it's hilarious. Anyway. So Yosef is Yesoid. Yesoid is like that continuation of, of, of Yankiv's Tiferes being brought down uh, a, a, a level lower or closer to application. But, but, it's not all the way down. Yesoid is the end of the emotions. Yesoid, like we say in the Pasach Elio, on the Erev Shabbos, Yesoid is Siyuma de Gufa, Ois Briskedish. Siyuma de Gufa is Aramaic. The end of the body, Ois Briskedish, the sign of the, the, the covenant, the bris. Uh, which is the reproductive organ. Yesoid is, is the reproductive organ. Uh, it's the end of the body, meaning it is the interface between 
self and other. Okay? With Malchus being other. Malchus is already the beginning of creation. And Yesod is the end of creator. That's why sometimes we talk about Yesod is synonymous with Zah. And we're going to speak about this in this Mimer. Zah means Ziranpin, which the small face, which are all six emotions. But the six emotions are really all represented by the sixth one, by the last one, which is Yesod, because Yesod is the interface or the, the delivery system that takes all the emotions and carries them forward to the other, outside of itself. And that's the, the connection between Zoh and Malchus, or sometimes we call it Kuchabricho and Shinte. It's the same, it's the same concept. So Yosef is Yesod, and Yesod is when all of the emotions sort of are packaged and then delivered in a way to, to connect with Malchus, the recipient, the feminine. So in that case, what's a good way of describing Yesod is his kashras, connection. Because that's the function of Yesod. Yesod is to take all the emotions and deliver them to Malchus and, and, and in, in the ma- in manner of a marital union even, which gives birth to, to worlds. So that's what it means, his kashras. Sometimes it's called his chabras or chibur. But the idea is bonding, connection. That's you say. And he says, his kashras ve'ava, and love. Why, why, why ava? What is, I thought ava is chesed, that's avram. Because like we're saying, yesoid is the delivery of all of the emotions. So the main emotion is ava, although there are different emotions and even opposite emotions from ava. But the main em- emotion, in other words, think about it like this. Emotions chiefly are to move you from self to other, to make you to relate to someone else. And the emotion that chiefly drives connection to the other is ava, is love. Expansiveness. Ava is also called gedula. Chesed is called gedula. L'cha Hashem ha-gedula v'agvur v'atver s'var nitzach v'ahid. So um, that's why we call Yesod his kashras, because it's the end of zah, the end of the emotions, which connects to other. And we also call it ava, because Ultimately, what's its purpose is to deliver all the emotions, and the main emotion is Ava. Okay, makes sense. So, but but in in the in the immediate context, what we were just we were saying that Malchus is only Yiratato Shalashem. Malchus means, and by the way, it doesn't say it here in this Maimer, but in other Maimerim, often it'll point out Malchus is Kabbalas Oil Malchus Shemay. Uh, acceptance of the heavenly the, the of the the yoke of the kingdom of heaven. In other words, Kabbalah means, I don't feel love, I'm sorry, I'm not passionate about this, but you know what? A rule is a rule. I accept the authority, I accept the kingdom of heaven. So Malchus, we said, is accepting Hashem's authority. I might not love it, but I accept it. Okay, and that's also called Yiratato, which is also called Sharla Hashem. At least now I've entered the game, I've started to serve Hashem, even on the lowest level. But then you have a higher level, which is equivalent to Yesoid, which is his Kashus Viavo. Now I'm connecting to Hashem because I want to, because I feel it. Let's continue inside. When you connect on a level of Yisoyed, where you actually, there's an emotional aspect, not just control your behaviors, but now you're changing your feelings and redirecting them. Now I'm changing my feelings. Now I'm actually getting myself to like what Hashem likes and dislike, what Hashem dislikes, and I'm getting aligned, I'm getting congruent, not just on the outsides, which I already was in the first phase, but also now on the inside, which is the second phase. 
So those are the three hakdamas, the three prefaces from the Tzemach Tzedek. That's the end of chapter 1. Let's just review this. We have Hagdama Aleph, the difference between the first month and the second month in terms of Avaida Sa'adam. So the first phase is <laughs> you're, 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 you're still running from Egypt. So just control your behaviors and don't worry about what's going on inside of you. Yeah, there's a lot of evil, there's a lot of uh, selfishness. We don't have time to deal with it, just run. We're, but the second phase is Isabcha. Now we're safe. So now. Get to work. Change yourself. Self-refinement. Hagdama base, the second preface is the difference in spheroids. Malchus and Yesoid. That, uh, that and, and, and we said how Malchus and Yesoid really are synonymous with Iskafia and Isabcha. That uh, at first, I'm still a Yesh. I'm still a uh, I'm still an ego, but I'm controlling my ego. And, and then the, the second phase is uh, I'm already refining myself. I'm already changing myself. And that's like the, the, the second refinement. That was the second preface. And then the third preface was two types of jumping. Two types of jumping. Jumping uh, in a way that reaches or brings down only Malchus, which is, again, the same idea we are saying before, controlling myself even when I haven't yet changed myself, or running and jumping that reaches or brings down, uh, however you look at it, the level of Yisoyed, which is where I'm actually now cultivating some real emotions, some real feelings for Hashem. And that, that is uh, the Rebbe's uh, summary of, of, of the Tamach Tzedek's Maimir. Okay. Chapter 2. Now the Rebbe is adding his own novel interpretation. The Rebbe is saying, perhaps we can add. Right? When the Rebbe says, perhaps we can add, so for us, definitely you can add. There's actually a story about that. The one time the previous Rebbe uh, repeated uh, a mimer to his father that he had heard from his mimer, that he heard from his father, and the Rebbe Rishab, and the, the Rebbe Rishab said to him, uh, he said, you said it perfectly, except the one part, you didn't say, you didn't say the words, we, possibly we can say. So he says, Father, if you said it's possible to say, then for me, 100%, it's certain you can say. Okay, so chapter 2, perhaps we can add, the difference between the first Pesach and the second Pesach is not only that the first Pesach reaches a higher level, uh, that the second Pesach reaches a higher level than the first Pesach, but the jumping itself is greater. In other words, what do we mean? Not just quantitatively, that the second Pesach reaches a higher level, right? That's like a quantitative thing. You're measuring how high did your, your leap reach. But even qualitatively, it's a different kind of leap. It's a better leap. It's not just leaping more, it's leaping better. Okay, but we, what does that mean? We don't know yet. 
כמובן גם זה שנקרא בשם פסח שני, we understand this from the fact that it's called the second פסח. דפירש הפושט, דפסח שני הוא לא רק שהפסח הדילג נמשך בדרגה דשני, אלא שגם הפסח הדילג הוא שני. Not only does it mean it reaches a second level, but it means it is a second, which is דילג נעילה יסם הדילג דפסח רישיין, and we're interpreting that to mean a second 2.0. This is new and improved. פסח רישיין was beta version. This is the real thing. Now we're really launching. ומה שכוסף במים דפירש פסח שני הוא שהדילוג דפסח שני נמשך בהדרג דשני יסייד. Now this, that the Tamech Tzedek said, what does it mean the second פסח? It means it reaches the second phase, which means יסייד. How do you reconcile that with what we're saying is it's not just that it reaches higher, it is a, a, somehow a, a qualitatively better type of a jump. הוא כי מיילס הדילוג דפסח שני שהדילוג הוא נעילה יסייד נראה גם בזה שהדילוג נמשך בהדרג דשני כתוב לקאמן סף היי. It's a symptom. It's a tetzor. It's an outward manifestation. In other words, the fact that the second Pesach reaches a higher level, that's not what makes it a better jump. That's just a way of seeing. That's a way of recognizing that it's a superior type of a jump. Let's continue. Valpiza, now according to that understanding, So let's connect this idea that Pesach Sheni is a higher level of serving Hashem than, than, than Pesach Rishon. Let's connect that idea with the literal, simple meaning of Pesach Sheni. Okay, because so far we, we've been talking very, very spiritually. If you remember at the very, very beginning of this class, I mentioned regular understanding before you get into Kabbalah and Chesidus, Pesach Sheni means the makeup. If you miss the first Pesach, you get to do the second Pesach. So we just said, Kabbalistically, spiritually, Pesach Sheni means you're reaching your sight instead of just Malchus, which is another way of saying, I'm connecting to Hashem with my emotions, not just subjugating my behavior. I'm actually feeling things rather than just um, white-knuckling it, okay? But let's connect this also with the simple understanding of Pesach Sheni that everybody knows. Pesach Sheni was a makeup for somebody who missed the first one. This the fact that the, the, that the second Pesach makes up for it, fills the void and the lack of the first Pesach. It's because what happens on Pesach Sheni breaks the rules. It doesn't follow the normal standard operating procedures. It's not subject to limitations. Not even the limitations of the first Pesach, which itself is a jump. In other words, what is a Pesach? Is a dilug, is a jump. And what is a jump? It means jumping, side uh, skirting, or, or, or sidestepping limitations. But even when you're sidestepping limitations, there are limitations that, 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 that follow you even there. Even when you're outside of the system, there's a system outside of the system. There are limitations outside of limitations. When we say that Pesach Sheni is, is, is a greater jump, we mean that 
its sidestepping limitations that even the jump of the first Pesach still was carrying with it. So if the first Pesach is jumping over uh, obstacles and limitations, so the second Pesach is jumping over even the limitations that supposedly that, that exist when you're supposedly free. Like you thought you knew what what unlimited was? No, no, no. This is a jump compared to what you were calling unlimited before. Um, and there's an incredible uh, footnote here. Nineteen. The Alpiza Yovan, Zeshaladas Rabbi, Vichenhi Aloha. Now we could also understand a halacha, the opinion of Rabbi in the Mishnah, which is also the way that uh, that uh, the codifiers paskin. What happens if somebody becomes Jewish between the first Pesach and the second Pesach? We know that if somebody was unable to bring the first Pesach, like he was impure or he was too far from Yerushalayim, so he can make it up on the second Pesach. But what about a person who wasn't Jewish on the first Pesach? He couldn't bring the first Pesach offering because he wasn't Jewish. What's the din? Maybe Pesach Shani. So he'll make it up on the second Pesach. Even though, even according to Rabbi, the real Pesach is the first one, meaning when seemingly should the obligation devolve, either on Pesach Rishon or never, seemingly. And that Pesach Sheni is really only making up the first Pesach, meaning you don't have a second Pesach without a first Pesach. And this person, this Gershon is Geir, he wasn't even Jewish on the first Pesach, so he was totally out of the running. He had no connection to a, to a Pesach because he wasn't even Jewish. However, because Pesach Sheni is that jumping beyond jumping, jumping after jumping. It even jumps past the limitations that were still in place on the first Pesach. So first Pesach might be jumping. Yeah, we're accomplishing things that you normally can't accomplish, and we're accomplishing them far faster than we can normal, normally accomplish them, because it's Pesach, right? But there are still certain limitations in place comes Pesach Sheni, and those limitations in the first Pesach aren't even in place anymore. And what greater limitation can you have than that, that a person could, couldn't bring the first Pesach because he wasn't even Jewish? And on the second Pesach, boom! He flew past that as well. So therefore, the ability to make up the lack that happened in the first Pesach isn't even a lack. It's like time travel. <laughs> it rewrote the whole timeline. That's the power of the, of, of, of the second Pesach. Well, that's a really uh, powerful illustration of the power of the second Pesach. So this is what we're saying, that Pesach means jump. There's a first jump and a second jump. And not only does the second jump reach a higher place than the first jump, but the second jump is a jump even compared to the first jump. And on this level, the second level is Nidokin Farfalin. 
Those are the Yiddish words that mean nothing's lost, nothing is uh, in vain. Hope is never lost. Why? Because even when you say, look, I can't help you, my hands are tied, there's certain limitations. Pesach Sheni comes and says, you know what? We can, uh, we can sidestep that as well. Those aren't obstacles for us. In other words, let's put it this way. Realistically, I can only accomplish what I can accomplish. Okay, I, I want to serve Hashem best as I can, but I have certain limitations. Pesach Rishon comes and says, you know what? You have a, a special boost where you can accomplish that which you normally can't accomplish. We're giving you like a, a, a... I don't know if this is a good marshal for everybody, but like in Disneyland, Disney World, I don't, I don't remember. I, I think sometimes like it's a customer service thing. If like uh, for whatever reason they want you, want you, to, you can buy it or they'll give it to you. I think uh, if you complain, I think that's I think that's what we did. <laughs> they give you this thing where you can like go in a faster line. Oh, that's great! So you can go on a faster line. So you you can you can skip the the line. But when the park closes, the park closes. That's just a limitation. So that it'll get you to a certain point where you can sidestep certain limitations. But then there are certain limitations. There just there's nothing you can do about it. Okay, that's like Pesach Rishon. Pesach Shani is you know what? Even those limitations we can deal with. Nothing is holding us back. Not even our past. Past seemingly should be done. It's over. It's written. It's done. No, even that won't hold you back. Okay. Gimel. Okay. One of the difference, differences between Zah and Malchus, we were speaking about that before. Zah is the six emotions, and Yesod is basically the representative or the face of those six emotions. And then Malchus is the feminine uh, sphere, the recipient that gives birth to lower worlds. So one of the main differences between Zah and Malchus is that Malchus is the... Uh, is like the beginning of creation, the high end of creation, and Zah is like the low end of creator. That's how I'm translating it. Atsilos is the highest world, but Atsilos is such a transparent world, such a like ethereal world, that it's more creator than creation. You don't really get creation until the world of Bria, which means which literally means creation. And then, of course, Yitzira, and then Asiya, and that's real, solid creation like we know it. You know, real time-space limitations as, as we're accustomed to them. But at any rate, Malchus is like the, the, the top extreme of creation. It gives birth to creation. And Yesoid is like the lower end of creator, or Atzilus, or a, a world of, of pure godliness. Now, one of the things we know about Atsilus is there's no ra, there's no evil. What do we mean there's no evil? Evil in Hasidic terms means um, selfhood. Anything that's not absolute surrender 
is evil. I know evil is a bad word because it sounds like nefarious, plotting, demonic evil. Evil just means uh, a false sense of separation from the all, from the oneness, which is the root of all evil because every sin is basically, it originates from uh, this false sense of self being independent from, from God. And therefore all the insecurities and the fears of I have to take care of myself and I have to do what I have to do and, 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 and so on and so forth. So Atsilus has no ra, no evil. What does that mean? It has no uh, sense of selfhood. It's, it's, like I was saying before, it's like a world that's absolutely transparent to godliness. Creator is the, is the uh, apparent reality, and creation is a, like a theoretical construct from the, from the, from the perspective of, of Atsilus. So since Atsilus is like this totally selfless world, this that we're saying that Yisoid, which is Za, is making the complete beer, the complete refinement. Remember, we spoke about that before the first refinement and the second refinement, which is Ha'inyan de Hishapcha, the idea of now you're not just controlling yourself, you're actually changing yourself. You're actually making yourself want the right things. And that's called a bureau. That's called a refinement. I used to want the wrong things. Okay, I refined myself. Now I want the right things. But you should understand something. When we describe Yesod that way, we're, we're not really describing Yesod. Because we can't. Because Yesod is part of Atsilas. And Atsilas, there's no Ra, there's no selfhood, so there's nothing to refine. Everything's already refined. Everything's perfect. So when we say that Yesod is the refiner, we're talking more about its action upon that which is lower than it. But not itself. You say that itself is part of Atsilas, and in Atsilas, no, there's nothing to refine. Therefore, if you really want to talk, what does it mean to relate to Hashem in a way of Yasaid? One way of looking at it is refinement, and not just uh, the first refinement, the second refinement, deep refinement, which means on an emotional level and actually changing your will and changing your desire. But even that is not the real description of, of Yesoid and what it means to have a relationship with Hashem on the level of Yesoid. Really a relationship with Hashem on the level of Yesoid means we got to a place where it's all light. We're doing nothing, we're just bringing down light. Look, look at footnote 24. He brings from uh, the fourth volume of Tanya, Geras HaKedish, and the 24th chapter there. You want to know something? Even <laughs> We're talking about Yusayid, which is higher than Malchus. You want to know something? Even from Malchus, Even the fact that Malchus is involved in refinement is only because the Shechina is in Golis, and therefore has to deal with negativity. But like it says there, and you get us a Kedish, when Mashiach will come, and, and Malchus won't have to deal with Klippas Neige, with, 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 spiritual, with the spiritual neutral things that are mundane. So we're not going to be refining the physical world anymore. 
In Golos, that's what we're doing. We take neutral things and we try to use them for, for L'shem Shemayim, for, for positive things. But we're not going to do that anymore because it's not going to be necessary. Ki'im rather laham shech eres We're just going to be drawing down holy lights. So we're not going to be fixing any problems because there are going to be no problems. It's all going to be good. No solutions anymore because there's no problems. This is such a deep concept. I got to tell you, this is such a deep concept here. It touches, I mean, for me also, it touches on something that I, that I spend a lot of time thinking about. So I, I have this gig where I, I write this column, this uh, advice column, right? So I'm the answer guy, seemingly. I'm the answer guy, right? Okay. It's very frustrating that even though people might read that and they might be impressed with Chassidus, oh, Chassidus has an answer to a problem. That's what Chassidus is. Chassidus is the answer to problems. I mean, I guess if we have problems, then we, we want answers. I understand. I mean, I, I, I not only sympathize, I empathize. I relate. I also have problems, right? Until Mashiach comes, we all have problems. So it's nice to have answers to our problems. But that's what Chassidus is. I mean, that's all it is. Levara berurim, to, to, to just deal with negativity and to try to change negative to positive. There's a whole world of positivity, infinite positivity that exists after all your problems are solved. And and we, we don't need an answer to a question. You see this often, you know, when, when, you, when you deliver a, 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 a Dvar Torah. So it always has to be a question, right? So it says in the parsha this, oh, how could it say that? And, and you do that to engage people because it's, it's almost like if there's not a problem, why would anyone listen? You can't just tell them something godly and, and have people listen. Because unless it's this, unless you're fixing something, why am I listening, right? It, it's like sales. If you're not selling something that, that, that solves a problem that I have, why would I buy it? You know, there's a sikha, Yutas Kislev sikha, which is edited and it's in the Kutis Sikhas, where the Rebbe talks about the difference between, um, where there's two, two different metaphors that the Fedek Rebbe uses for chassidus, the, uh, the pearls and the coals. So and, and he equates them how they're similar because you both you, either you have to dive under the water or you have to dig down into the ground and it different, goes into the different details of the marshal and what it means. But just regarding the actual concept, the difference between pearls and, and coals, the Rebbe says like this: There's two ways of looking at chassidus. One way, the first way is like coals. What 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 is, what's coal for? You burn it. You make heat. Why do you need heat? Because it's cold. I'm in Gullis, and there are problems. It's spiritually cold. So I need some heat. So you learn some chassidus so you don't freeze to death. So that's fixing problems. Then there's another way of look, looking at chassidus. It's pearls. What do you use pearls for? Pearls are purely ornamental. You just you, know, you wear pearls just to beautify yourself. Why? Because we're going to the wedding. Mashiach is coming and we've got to dress up. Put on your Shabbos clothes. Let's go to the wedding. Let's go greet Mashiach. And they're both true. They're both true. I'm not negating the coal role of chassidus. Just like the Rebbe here in this Maimah is not saying that Yesoid doesn't come down to be Mevara Birurim. Of course it does, but that's not its essence. Its essence is that it's a part of Atzilos. There are no problems to solve. So if there'd be no problems, why would you do anything? Right? Classic question. If when Mashiach comes, everything will be perfect, won't we be bored? You won't be bored! We're going to talk about this later in the Maimah. The only thing you can think of that would be interesting is, is, is grappling with dysfunction. <laughs> that what a what a dysfunctional definition of 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 being healthy. <laughs> that itself is an unhealthy definition of being healthy. You know what health is? Not being sick. 
<laughs> having the right medicine, being in remission. Like, come on. Health is when we're going to talk, God willing, this becomes a major focus in the Mimer as we go on. Um, but, uh, okay. Yesaid isn't just a problem solver that refines and makes refinement and deals with Ra and Metzias and ego. Yesaid ultimately is Laham Shechayr. It's all light. And there's not light because there's darkness that we have to illuminate. No, light and more light and more light and more light. As good as good as Basin is Basin. Okay. Next paragraph. We're still in his uh, Gimel in chapter 3. Um, you hear what the Rebbe just said? Phase two is month two. Month two is what's the main practice within month two? The main thing that signifies month two that we do? Sviras Ha'aymer. Another way of looking at Sviras, the Rebbe says, according to Bir Echad, according to one explanation, and in footnote 25 it actually explains there are three ways of looking at Sviras Ha'aymer. Uh, but for the purposes of this mimer and in this context, we're focusing on one of those ways of looking at at Sfiras Aimer, is that Sfiras Aimer is not to fix character flaws. That's not what yo. That's what you thought it was. No, that's one. That's one explanation. That's one approach. That's not what we're saying here. Sfiras Aimer is real Chedesh Hasheni, which is Pesach Sheni. Phase two. Phase two means. We are so beyond problem solving. We don't have problems. So what are you refining yourself for? We're just drawing down more and more light. So it's not that we're grappling with the darkness of our character flaws. No, we're refined already, and we're just bringing in more light. And that's what Sfira Saimer is, just bringing in more and more light, becoming more and more bottle. You can, <laughs> Hashem is infinite, so you can always become infinitely more humble, infinitely more surrendered. And that's all it is. That's what it is. In other words, <laughs> you have people, let's give a, let's give a marshal from the world. person comes to, let's say, a 12-step meeting the first time. Why did they come there? Because they, they just had the worst day of their life. Okay? That, that's, that's the fact. A newcomer, first day. That was the worst day of their life, or the day after the worst day of their life, depending. Okay. Well, the guy who's sober for 10 years, why is he there? Why? Oh, because he's still just as messed up. I hope not. Otherwise, what does the newcomer have to emulate? <laughs> what does he have to look forward to? No, the guy that's sober for 10 years has a good life. Why shouldn't he have a good life? He surrendered his life and his will over to the care of God. Everything's beautiful. So why is he there? Oh, light. Just deeper and deeper levels of surrender. Not as a response to a crisis. There doesn't have to be a crisis to precipitate the whole thing. That's Chedesh Arishan. Because Chedesh Arishan is, I'm in Mitzrayim. And Mitzrayim is still dominant. My internal Mitzrayim is still very powerful. I have to get the heck away from it. I got to run. I got to be Be'ereich I got to just flee. Or this thing is going to hop me and pull me back in. But then phase two is, there's no danger. Everything's beautiful. Everything's refined. And I'm still bringing down more light. Okay, so 
like he says over here, the purpose of Surah Sa'imer, it isn't to refine, it isn't to problem solve, it's to bring down Sharnun, the 50th gate, the ultimate, the, 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 the ultimate uh, union with God. So we can say further, the Rebbe adds now, further Chidush, This is also hinted to in the fact that the word Iyar, the name Iyar, Aleph Yud Yud Reish, is an acronym for Avram, Avram Yitzchok Yankiv Rachel, which is uh, the the three uh, matriarch, the three patriarchs, and the chief uh, matriarch. Rachel is often referred to as like the, the the archetypical mother, Mama Rachel, and that who do they, what do they represent? They're they're called my uh, my ancestor, the Megala Amukais, uh, explains that they're called the Dalid Ragli Amarkava, the four feet or wheels of the chariot. Amarkava is completely bottled to the Reichiv. A chariot is completely surrendered to the rider. Chariot doesn't have any will, it just goes where the rider wants to go. So these Tzadikim, Avrom Yitzchok Yankiv Rachel, they represent complete surrender. Complete transparency, no blockage whatsoever, no ego, no ego, no edging God out. Shem dalad ragli ar makava, shabitol de makava who be'efen shemalachat chilein makam lein shel yeshus. Makava means there's no place to begin with for ego. It's not like I have an ego, but I mustn't give in to it. That's a lower level. We called that before bitolayesh, where I have an ego, but I'm gonna I'm gonna behave myself. There's no ego here. And for certain, there's no ra, there's no negativity that has to be refined over here. Like it says in Tanya, that the Oves, the patriarchs, are called the chariot. Because their entire lives, they were nothing but totally surrendered to God's will. That's it. That's it. They were conduits. They didn't have their own agenda. They just were representatives of God's will here in this world, without any sense of personal agenda. Not even, not even a spiritual agenda. Of, you know, what, what's my reward? What's my spiritual pleasure? What's my, uh, my afterlife? None of that stuff. Just complete surrender to God's will. As opposed to just surrendering my behaviors, which is lower level. This is the deepest surrender. I don't even want anything other than what Hashem wants. And, and that's phase two. Phase two, month two, Passover two. Where it's all just surrender and more goodness and more goodness and more goodness. Not a response to a problem, not a solution to a crisis. Incredible stuff. Okay. Sifdalit. In the uh, PDF, it's page 14. Sifdalit. Mikolzem Movan, the Hedish Eor, Hedish Hasheni, Shnein Yonim. Now we understand there are two aspects of the second month. Within the second month itself, there are two aspects. Havaida Dishabcha, Tachas Ashlemis de Sumerah. Remember before we said 
The first month is a skafia, second month is a sapcha, right? Skafia, control yourself, sapcha, actually change yourself. So we're saying second month is you've actually changed yourself. But actually, as we already hinted to earlier, second phase is even more than that. Second phase is more than just actually get in there deeply enough and change yourself, change your emotions, change your, your desires. It, 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 it goes beyond that. It's, all right, now it's changed. Not only did I change my insides, I'm changed. I'm done. I'm surrendered. I'm done. I'm completely surrendered. And, and so now what do I do? Now what do I do? I go from strength to strength. I just keep on surrendering and surrendering. Not because I just had the worst day of my life. Not because my, I became allergic to my own ego and it's ruining my life and I have to surrender. But just because I'm in orbit. Once you're already in orbit, you don't expend any more energy. You're just, you're, you're moving. You're moving. Yeah, the, the, the momentum takes over. It's hard for us to relate to this because we equate service of Hashem with struggle. And it really oughtn't be that way because it's not by definition. Yeah, because a lot of our service of Hashem is a struggle because we're struggling against our inner nature. But, it's, but struggle is not, I'm sorry to say, I know a lot of times we play up the idea, no, service is struggle, 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 struggle. Tanya is all about struggle. That's half the story. That's half the story. You know what the other half of the story is? There's a point where it's just surrender. It's not struggle anymore. I, I give the marshal of the guy who's sober for 20 years and, and he's coming to the meeting. You think that guy is struggling not to drink? <laughs> he's not struggling not to drink. He surrendered his life long ago. The obsession was removed. He's in orbit. He's moving. The spirit is just moving him around as long as he stays surrendered, obviously. Okay, but the point is the second phase isn't just first phase of Skafia, second phase of Sapcha. Second phase, it even goes beyond the sapcha. We're just surrendered and, and we're just bringing down more and more light and more and more positivity. Bikdusha atzma, look inside. Bikdusha atzma, within holiness itself. Not that we're changing unholy into holy. We did it. We did. That's done. In holiness itself, we're just progressing and progressing and progressing. Vasei toiv, it's all positive. It's not, there's, we're, not, we're not running from the bad anymore. And we can say, Remember we said before that on the first day of the second month, there was a census. It says the census was done by Meishen Arei. It's an interesting thing. Who, who are normal census takers? Normally when we do, we do a census, who takes a census? You hire, uh, you know, retirees. You know, it's a part-time job. It's not like it's not long-term uh, employment. It's you know like uh, seasonal work at the post office. You know, it's, it's, it's like a census taker, not a specialized job. When the Jews took a census, though, who was the census taker? There are two of them, Moshe and Aaron, top two guys, the VIPs in the whole nation. So why are Moshe and Aaron the census takers? Which the census was taken on the sec on, on the first day of the second month, meaning the census here is is associated with second month. Phase two. Because there's an aspect within ear. Remember saying that like double aspect within ear within ear itself that is still sort of a remnant of problem solving. 
what we're calling Aaron, because Aaron is the peacemaker. Well, you only can make peace if there was discord. So peace, by definition, implies problem solving. He says right here, peace is to negate um, dissension. But then there's another aspect of ear of the second month, which is just pure good. And that's 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 the level of Meisha, which Meisha is Taira. Meisha was Meisha Kibbal Taira Mesinai. Shmuel Chad Chila in Shaiach Bo Nesinus Mokim LeInyan Hof Chichas V'Shalom. Aren't solving problems with Meisha? There's no problems. Dezel Gam Mashakosov, which is also the meaning of what it says when Meisha was born and he was um, he was placed in the basket. V'Teda Aisei Kitayfu. She saw that he was good. Kitoiv, Kitoiv is like the Ayr Kitoiv, the good light, when Hashem created the world. The Shechina. She saw the Shechina. She saw goodness. She saw light. It says immediately when Meisha was born, the whole house filled up with light. In other words, there's no struggle, there's no process, there's no nothing. Immediately, light. All light. Kulei Ayr. All light. So, Aaron is, there's a problem, but we can fix it. Meisha is, there's no problems. The census which took place on the first day of the second month was through Meisha and Aaron, because those are two aspects within the second month itself. The solving the problems, and then getting beyond problems. Continuing here. But now hold on a second. <laughs> we just explained why Aaron and Moshe are both part of the second month. Because the second month starts on sort of an Aaron level of we have problems, but we solve them. And then it goes to a Moshe level, which is we're on we're beyond problems. No problems anymore. And that's 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 the second month. But what about the first month? The first month is leaving Egypt. Leaving Egypt was through Aaron and Meisha. So it seems like in the first month we also have both of those. So we said how we have both of those in the second month. How do we have both of those in the first month? That's what we're trying to understand here. That's the unspoken question. Even though, as we said earlier at the beginning of the Mimer, that leaving Egypt is running away from evil. But we said already, Aaron is dealing with evil. Meisha is when, when, when it's all good. And not only is 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 first month dealing with evil, but it's not even dealing with evil like it, it, resolving it. It's it's skafia where we're still running from it. We haven't we haven't dealt with it. We haven't resolved it, but we're just getting away from it. And 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 and, and yet we're saying in the first month also has a connection to both Aaron and Moshe. So what's the explanation? Because even when you're still on a level of Askafia, where you're still struggling, where your Yitzhahara is still burning and, and, and trying to get the better of you, not only do you have to know that the ultimate goal is not just to white-knuckle it for the rest of your life, but to get to the level of Asapcha where you've actually changed your desires, but even more than that, you have to know that eventually there's a level of being beyond just a seitoiv for its own sake. I think this is something we don't discuss very much at all. And yet the Rebbe hints to it and sometimes says it explicitly quite often. 
we we often talk the the, the struggle the, the the struggle's never going away what do you call somebody who's not struggling with Ra anymore there's no it's not about Ra it's all Toiv I mean in, in terms of, 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 of Tanya that's called a Tzadik Benini is grappling with his own inner turmoil Tzadik has no inner turmoil the Rebbe wants us even when we're still on a level of Benini and let's be frank even when we're not yet even Beninim the Rebbe wants us to already taste what it's like to be a tzaddik. That even when we're still in Mitzrayim, and still in Chaydesh Arishin, and still practicing Eskafia, and we still want the wrong things for ourselves, and the best we can manage is just to hold back and not give in, even when we're in that level, we have to somehow have some connection to a vision of ourselves where not only have we changed our desires from unhealthy to healthy, but we're so far beyond it that just Everything is good. Everything is light. There's no more struggle. It's all, it's all light and goodness and, and, and godliness. You want to say that, that that's radical? Okay, maybe it is radical. You want to see nobody spoke that way before in previous generations? Okay, maybe they did. Maybe it's the Rebbe's Chiddush. Maybe this is something that only came out as we got closer to Mashiach. Because when Mashiach comes, for darn sure, what's going to happen? We're not going to be grappling with the Ra because there won't be Ra in the world. That's David is going to take away all the impurity. Or like we said before, that, that we won't be Mevarabirurim anymore. We're not going to have to refine Klippas Noiga and make the mundane into holy. Everything will already be holy. So, you want to say, this is a, there's a novel idea in Chassidus, I never saw it before. Okay, maybe, maybe Takel, maybe the Rebbe innovated this concept. However, like so often is the case, after the Rebbe says something wild, you're like, nobody talks like that, nobody says that, that's so off the charts. And then the Rebbe's like, oh, by the way, you know this concept? It's right there in Chassidus. Well, yeah, in Tanya, the Alta Rebbe said it. And then once you see how the Alta Rebbe really said it, you can't unsee it. And then, <laughs> that's what it is when you learn Chassidus of Derashvi, and you learn the Rebbe's Maimodim, first he blows your mind because like, this is such a departure, this is so radical. Nope, this is not what it says in the previous Rebbe. And, and, and then the Rebbe's like, oh, by the way, it totally is. What, that, this, is what, this is what we were saying all along. And then you look back and you're like, oh, how did Hilaparacha learn this line in Tanya? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anyways, Ashrei Nematev Chalkin. So look, let's go right there. So the Rebbe says, this idea that even people who are still struggling with, with wanting the wrong things, still fighting themselves, can already have a connection to just being totally beyond the struggle. This is straight from Tanya. Shagam Elu Altirasha, even those whose main efforts right now are just to not be wicked. Okay, I can't work on trying to be righteous. My best right now is just don't give in, don't do the wrong things. Even those people though. The oath was a double oath. So even though I can't be a tzaddik, I have to try. I have to emulate a tzaddik. That's what it says. So in chapter 14 of Tanya, it talks about over there, even a Bainani, even somebody who hasn't conquered the evil within them and is still very much struggling, they have to also start to emulate a tzaddik. And what does it mean? What does it mean, emulate a tzaddik? What's the difference between a bain and a tzaddik? Emotional, not behavioral. 
The Benini does everything he's supposed to do, and, and, and Tzadik also does everything he's supposed to do. The only difference is emotional. That a Benini doesn't feel what he's supposed to feel. So he has to conquer his feelings, he has to or subjugate his feelings, he has to, he has to act as if. Fake it till you make it. The Tzadik already, you know, he doesn't have to act as if. He, he, he feels it. He's there already. And yet, the Benini is supposed to try as much as possible to have Tzadik-like feelings. Which means, like it says in chapter 14 of Tanya, to actually try to find uh, physical pleasure for its own sake, repulsive, as well as find connecting to Hashem attractive, delightful, pleasurable. And here what the Rebbe says actually is, he takes those two concepts, uh, being mayas and lasanik Bashem, you know, being repulsed by physical pleasure for its own sake and being uh, finding finding connection to Hashem pleasurable, that I've actually uh, is mechalik as as two different levels of tzaddik, and two le- two different levels of the tzaddik that even the bainani can start to emulate. So it says over here, hein both in terms of being disgusted or turned off by Ra, which here Ra means physical pleasure for its own sake, which is Ho'inyin dishapcha, okay, actually transforming the Midas. The Hain benegea, and also regarding Lisanig v'lismayach v'ashem, to take pleasure and delight in God, Aydeis beininis bigdulis saints of baruchu, by just thinking about the greatness of God. So I'm not thinking about problems. I'm not thinking about how bad it is to want physical pleasure for its own sake. Now I'm just thinking about how wonderful Hashem is, only good, only positive. Which is the idea of holiness when I'm past refinement already. I'm not refining. I'm not. I'm not fighting anything anymore. We we, we finished fighting. We're done. We we move past that. So the Rebbe is talking about two different levels of tzaddik and saying how even someone who's a Bainani can already start to connect to that. And it's right there in Tanya. It's right there in Perek Yudala. It's the chapter 14 of Tanya. And those are two levels. One, Mayas which the Rebbe is equating to a Sabcha. Right? I used to like whatever, fill in the blank. I'm not going to give you any ideas. <laughs> if there's any tithes you didn't discover yet, I'm, you're not going to discover them from me. Okay, so I used to like fill in the blank. And then I, I was mehapich. I transformed myself. I don't like those things anymore. Yuck. Not just I, 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 I like them, but I don't do them. That would be a bainani. I, I wish I could do it, but I can't. I can't do it. Okay, so I think it's, I don't even like that anymore. That's not what I want for myself. Why would I want to, 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 to engage in just more selfish actions? What, what do I want that for? That's his, that's his, his hapka, I've actually transformed myself. But then there's a higher level. I'm just loving God, and I'm just enjoying loving God. And it's all bliss, and it's all beautiful, and uh, I'm beyond his hapka. <laughs> so basically, we say like this. There's level one, is iskafia, I'm graveling, I'm fighting. Level two is Yisabcha. I, I finished the battle. But then level two goes beyond that. I finished the battle, and now I keep moving. And now I'm just flying. I keep soaring. I keep going higher. 
And then the Chiddush the Rebbe says is, even someone who's still fighting, who's still in phase one, I want you to have a connection. I want you to already have a feeling. I want you to see yourself as you are on a level two. And not just level 2A, but level 2B. Not just Ishapcha of Mayaspera, but beyond the Sapcha and beyond Birurim of Lisanik Barshem. I've said this before and in other places, but the Rebbe wanted every Jew to be a Rebbe. The Rebbe said it many times, many occasions. By the way, in connection with, with the month of Ir, on base Ir, in Tavshem Memches, after the, the passing of the Rebbe's in uh, Chayamushka, so the Rebbe was in, 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 his host, uh, in his house, in his home on, on President Street. So the Sikh of base Ir, you can see when the Rebbe is speaking at home. And base Ir is the birthday of the Rebbe Marash, who was L'Chadchila Ar-Ibar, who go over the obstacles. And the Rebbe says over there, he says, that the, what do we learn from L'Chadchila Ar-Ibar? As Yadir Yidken Zechfirin and Eifin from L'Chadchila Ar-Ibar, does haste via Nasi. That every Jew can fly over obstacles. What does that mean? Like a Nasi. You know what a Nasi means? A Nasi is a term for a Rebbe. Not a Rebbe, not a, you know, a, a, a Manig, a Rabbi, a Rav. A Rebbe, a Rosh B'nei Yisrael, which is also a Nasi. What a, a Nasi is Nitzus Shel Yankev Avinu. The Rebbe wanted us, even while we're still in our Mitzrayim and running for our lives and still behaving in spite of ourselves. And we're still only Yiratato and Shala Shem and Kabbalah's Oil Malchus Shemaim and Iskafia and Birarishain and the lower level, Khaidasharishain. The Rebbe wanted us to already start to feel a connection to and see ourselves in a space of Khaidashashaini, Ishabcha, and even beyond Ishabcha, not Arain making peace, but Maisha, who is all light from the very beginning, not solving problems, but just there are no problems anymore. It's all paved. It's 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 Mashiach. It's redemption. And and each of us has to make a space for that in our in our in our spiritual lives for those at least something in you that you do with a full heart with zero resistance. Don't tell me there isn't some aspect of Yiddishkeit that you do with complete authenticity. You know, so many places in Chassidus talk about the, the, the greatness of being the noble hypocrite. That even when we don't feel like it, force yourself. And that's true, and we have so many opportunities to force ourselves, because there's so many things we like to do that we're not allowed to do, and so many things that we're supposed to do that we don't want to do, and we have to force ourselves to do. So there's plenty of opportunities to be the noble hypocrite. But the Rebbe also wants us to be connected to the level where we're, we're like a tzaddik. We're on the level of Merkava, of, of, of Avram, Yitzchok, Yankiv, and Rachel. And we're, we're, we're like a Rebbe. No Yitzhahara, beyond Yitzhahara. Who, who speaks about Yitzhahara? It's all paiv, it's all light, it's all goodness. We're not solving problems, we're not dealing with a crisis. We're just getting closer to the infinite. So there has to be some aspect of your life, some aspect of your Judaism, where you're doing good and feeling good, and there's no resistance, and you're just in the zone, like, like a tzaddik. No fight, just perpetual motion, flowing, transparent. Okay. 
Let, let's continue. Eyes, hey. Page 15. Okay, now on the other hand, you know, but the guy calls up the, the, the shul and he says, excuse me, uh, I'm looking for a one-armed rabbi. The receptionist says, what are you looking for? I'm looking for a one-armed rabbi. You have a one-armed rabbi. Uh, I, I don't know why you're looking for a one-armed rabbi. He says, because the one I have, every time I ask him a question, he answers and he says, but on the other hand, okay. So on the other hand, so we just said that even when you are in phase one, which means you're still running from Mitzrayim, and Mitzrayim is still very powerful, and you're still just controlling yourself and white-knuckling. The Rebbe is saying, yeah, but also have a foretaste of, of, of phase two, where you're not struggling anymore because just you're so beyond that. So you have a taste of phase two, even while you're still only in phase one. Now flip it, conversely, because we want our cake and eat it too. We want the best of both worlds. Even if you're in phase two, and not just 2A, but 2B. 2A is a sabcha. 2B is beyond the sabcha. Now he's calling it merkava. Hold on to that desperation that you had when you were in phase one. Shalachain, which is precisely the reason, therefore, we will continue to mention and remember the exodus from Egypt even after the messianic redemption. What does that mean? means just like when you're in phase one and you're still struggling, you should already feel some connection to phase two where there's no struggle at all. So two, flip it, when you're in phase two and there's no struggle at all anymore, when everything's beautiful, remember the good old days. The good old, you know, the Rebbe Rishab says, when Mashiach will come, we will first start to nostalgize and, 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 yearn and pine after all oh, the good old days, the good old days, the the, the, the the bad old days. It was terrible. No, but then you could struggle. And and struggle is, is 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 urgency. You know, if it wouldn't be for the last minute, nothing would get done, right? Okay? There is it's dysfunctional, <laughs> but there is something to be said for that that midnight oil, that that last minute urgency, that last minute we gotta do it, we gotta do it. Okay. So even when we've le- reached that level of total peace, everything's good, everything's beautiful, but also hold on to the urgency, the desperation, the, 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 the bren of when you were on level one still. So it, it's like, I mean, I'll use the muscle again, the guy who's sober 20 years, he's not fighting anymore. Life is beautiful. But then he sees the newcomer and he remembers that worst day of his life. He remembers, he keeps it green like they say. You know, when, you, when, when you're red, you, they pick you. When you're green, you, you're not ripe, so you stay on the tree. He remembers what it was like when he was brand new and, 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 and his emotions were raw and everything was dysfunctional. So even though he's in a good place, but you hold on to a little bit that excitement from phase one. Rebbe says like this, when you're in phase one, when you're still in Yitzis Mitzrayim, which is Chedesh Rishayin, Nisan, Yitzis Mitzrayim, so the Ra is still very threatening, so you have to run. Chipazin, Chipazin means haste, like move, move, you, not, you can't stand still, there's a threat. Chipazin, Chipazin, is actually a good thing, even though it's caused by something. It's caused by something scary. It's caused by something external. But 
It's actually a positive thing because when we make haste, so Hashem reciprocates, right? Know that everything from above is from you, that everything that happens in the heavens is, is, is a reciprocal reaction to what you're doing down here. So when we make haste, the Shechina makes haste, so to speak, which is right? Like we say in, uh, in Kiddush Levana. If you don't make Kiddush Levana yet, make it now. Haste helps you with that jump. You gotta move, you gotta move. Okay. Not so, however, when you already were delivered from the evil, you're already safe. And so much more so when you're beyond safe. You're like, <laughs> the, the battle days are way behind you. You do everything normal now. When you were desperate, you move, you move fast because you have to by necessity. Now everything's safe. Everything's normal. Now you, you get up, you do your thing. Okay. To be in Kassidrum. Therefore, even when you're in the second phase, you want to bring in the chippos and the haste, the, the excitement, the urgency of phase one, which is Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. Now keep us jumping, keep us moving, keep things fresh and exciting. Okay? So not the chas v'sholem, we always want to remain in dysfunction so that we'll always have something to, to motivate us. Chas v'sholem. We want to reach phase two. And in fact, even when we're in phase one, we're already thinking about phase two. Um, but there's something good about phase one, which is that the desperation, the urgency, that you got to move. You want to bring that with you into phase two. And by the way, what do you call that? What do you call that when you're already out of Egypt and you're still jumping? <laughs> What's the big deal to jump? When you're running away from evil, you gotta jump. There's a snake. You gotta jump. Pesach Sheni is, I'm, I'm safe already. I'm out of Egypt. And I'm still jumping. So that's Pesach Sheni. Where I feel the, the urgency and that extra push and that last minute adrenaline rush to get things done, but it's not the last minute. I got all the time in the world. And I'm still feeling the push. In the level of the second month, I feel the, the jump. After I jumped because I'm trying to get away from evil, now I'm jumping in an all positive way. Like it says, there's a verse in, in Shir Hashirim, in Song of Songs, draw me. We're speaking to Hashem. We will run after you. So, draw me. That's phase one. That's Nisan. Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. I can't get out of here. So pull me. Get me out of here. But it's only pull me. Only my nefesh alakis. My nefesh Bahamas remains because I haven't changed. I haven't done any work. There's no ishapcha. There's no birad amiris yet. I, I'm just to save my soul before I get lost here. But, but I'm still the same old schnook because I didn't have time to work on myself. I, I can't work on myself. You can't get out of Mitzrayim by working on yourself. You get out of Mitzrayim because Mashchein, because the Ebishter schleps you out of Mitzrayim. But then, you start to work on yourself. And now we're running. And now the Nefesh Yabamis is on board. The, 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 the ox can pull, can pull the wagon. So then we're, then now, we're running. That's phase two. Because 
that when the, the nefesh alakis causes the nefesh abamis should have love for Hashem. And the nefesh abamis does everything running because it's vild, it's an animal, so everything it does, it runs, it runs for ice cream, it runs for Hashem. That causes now that the, the nefesh alakis is also running, it's coming along for the ride with the fervor and the excitement of the Nefjabamis. We're both running, Nefjalakis and Nefjabamis. However, after we've done this, after we've reached, we've gotten out of trouble, we've gotten out of danger, and we jump again, the second jump is a greater jump than the first jump. The first jump was jumping because you fear evil. You're recoiling from danger. Which is, it says here in parentheses, what does that mean? It's an external motivator. You're running from something else. There's this thing causing you to jump. So you're not a jumper. You're jumping in response or reaction to something bad. In contrast, when you're jumping, and it's just not jumping from something bad, but jumping in something good, which is Torah and Mitzvahs, which is only only doing good. You're jumping towards something. You're jumping toward Torah and Mitzvahs because they are the Chachma, the, the wisdom, and the, the Ratzin, the will of Hashem. Which are infinite. Which are infinite. That's an important point here. When you're running from bad, whatever it is that's chasing you, it might be big and bad and scary, but ultimately it's finite. Because only God is infinite. So when you're running from something, and you're running from something finite, you're only going to run until you get away from it. So your running is finite. But when you're running towards something, and what you're running toward is infinite, getting closer to Hashem's will and wisdom, then you're infinitely running, because it never ends. So what's a bigger jump, the first one or the second one? First one is you're jumping because you have problems. Second one, I don't have problems. I just want to get closer and closer to goodness. So therefore, after you reveal the infinity within yourself through jumping away from the negativity, because that, even that requires a certain infinity within you, a certain godliness. But then you do a jump that's totally in goodness, which is a much greater jump. Again, like I said, when you're running from something or when you're running to something, that itself is already a big difference. But then think about it, we're running from something that's finite, negativity. So you're only running a certain amount. You're running to something that's infinite, you're going to continue running. Or again, another way of saying it is the difference between jumping, because I have to jump, or becoming a jumper. Now that's who I am. This is me. It's not a response to a condition or a factor or something outside of myself. It becomes who I am. Now we understand also the saying of the Fidik Rebbe, the Pesach Sheini is connected to Nefesh Hashenis. Chapter 2 of Tanya, that the Nefesh Hashenis should be Yisrael, Yichelik Elakami Mal Mamash. Second soul. First soul is the, the animal soul. Second soul is the godly soul. 
So the Friedrich Rebbe said the second Pesach is connected to the second soul. The, the, the Pesach Sheni is connected to Nefesh Shenis. What's the connection? Kimailus Adilug the Pesach Sheni Al Dilug the Pesach Rishin who Shadilug the Pesach Rishin who Mitzada Helam Vahasta Nefesh Bamis Nefesh Rishin. The first jumping, you're jumping because you have Nefesh Bamis problems. Right? Your, your Nefesh Bamis, your animal soul, is comfortable in Egypt. So if you don't jump, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna stay. So first Pesach is first soul. Animal soul. Vadiluk de Pesach Shenihu, Shmizgala, Bligvul, the Nefesha Shenis, Shichelikilakami Malmamash. But the second jump, second phase, when you're already out of Egypt, now you're jumping because the Nefesha Lakis is a jumper. And the Nefesha Lakis is infinite. You're jumping toward something infinite. You are infinite. The whole thing is infinite. Perpetual motion, never stopping. When you're jumping because you have a problem, you solve the problem, you stop jumping. When you're jumping because you're getting closer to, to Hashem, why would you ever stop? In fact, not only wouldn't stop, it just carries you. It just the momentum just becomes unending. And what does that mean? That means that why we say mamash. by the way, is a is a is a is a Loshana Pasuk from Eov. Uh, actually, I had somebody once challenge me and say, the Alter Rebbe came and he took a Loshana Pasuk, and he used it to mean the soul. And how could he do that? Um, because the literal meaning in, in Eov, means my portion, like means my portion from God, like my lot in life. So, so the Alter Rebbe came in Tanya and he turns it into talking about the soul. So I looked into it. So it turns out the Gra and the Chaim Velazhener also use Chelek Elikamimal to mean the Neshama. The only Chiddush that the Alter Rebbe did was he said Chelek Elikamimal Mamash. And what does that mean, Mamash? Chassidus uh, explains, Malashin Mishush, that even in a body, the, 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 the second soul, the, the godly soul is infinite and unlimited. What's the point? The first jump, you're jumping because Nefesh Bahamas problems, which basically means your animal soul and your body are, are it says here, Helen Vahester, are, are obstructing you. So you got to you know, deal with that obstruction. You know, you're overcoming the resistance. Here, there's no resistance. There's no resistance because even in a body, which was the resistance, no, the infinite soul is even transparent or, or, or shining through the body, like the, as if the body's transparent. I mean, we're talking about a rabbit. I mean, that's what you're talking about. You're talking about somebody who, who doesn't obstruct godliness, that his, his body is not an obstruction to godliness. It just He's transparent. He's a conduit. And, and, and the thing is that Rebbe is saying, that's all of us. All of us have a connection to that concept. That's Pesach Sheni. That's Diluk Sheni. Is when we get to that problem where we're just loving God and enjoying the fact that we're loving Him and we're not running away from anything anymore. We're not solving problems anymore. We're not struggling anymore. It, it's just a pleasure. It's all good. It's all light. Yes, this is part of Judaism. And, and the Rebbe is not saying unrealistically that you're not still struggling. Yeah, we're doing both. We're doing both. It's not chronological like, like first there was the first month, then there was the second month. It, the Rebbe clearly says that they're, they're both happening at the same time. They're different aspects of our personality, different aspects of our lives, different, uh, maybe on different days or different hours. The point is that even those of us whose main 
service of Hashem is still in Eskafia and Kabbalah and and, and, and and controlling ourselves. We have a connection to Ishabcha and beyond Ishabcha already to to and and to just say toiv infinitely because we just want to be close to Hashem. Okay, the Rebbe says maybe we can add one more thing. Okay. Not only is the second jump qualitatively greater than the first jump, it's incomparably greater. How many times? A million times greater? A billion times greater? A trillion times greater? Incomparably greater. That means there's no amount of first jumps that you could ever add together that would equal what you can accomplish with a second jump. It's Reich, incomparable. The second jump is called a jump compared to the first jump. And not just that you jump and you jump again. That the second jump makes the first jump look like not jumping. That whatever you were jumping out of in the first time, jumping as opposed to standing still, the second jump makes the first jump look like standing still. Like it says, As in the days when I took you out of Egypt, you will see wonders when Mashiach comes. We're going to see wonders. There's two ways of reading that. One is, just like there were wonders in the times of leaving Egypt, so too there will be wonders when we leave this current exile with Mashiach. But another way of reading is, that the wonders that will happen when we, we leave this Gaulus with Mashiach will be considered wonders even according to the bar that was set by the wonders of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. In other words, <laughs> whatever that the, the, the wonders of the, the coming redemption will be will make the wonders of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim look normal in comparison. Or as the Reb Hanina song says, the miracles we're waiting for have not been seen before. Right? Okay. Parents, you know what I'm talking about. Okay. Now, now we're connecting it to Mashiach. Now we're Mashiach. Okay. So now let's connect this whole concept with Mashiach. Pesach Shedi in Gula. But Proteus Yesu, more specifically, he named Isu Bemedr Shagulos Mitzrayim, Vechain Hagula Hamagolos Bevol. All the redemptions, including leaving, leaving Egypt and subsequent redemptions, are called like candlelight. The redemption with Mashiach is going to be like sunlight. What's the difference between candlelight and sunlight? No comparison. How many candlelights strong is the sun? It, 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 there's no number, there's no amount. It's not just a mind-numbing um, amount. It's just qualitatively different kind of light. So, gula is light, but there's candlelight and there's sunlight. And it's also, candlelight can go out. Sunlight never goes out. Yeah, and I know, I'm going to ask the, the astrophysicists, they're going to say, the, the, the death of a star and the ages of the sun and the white dwarf and the, and the red giant, blah, 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 blah. Okay, that's very nice, but empirically speaking, I never saw any actual stages of the sun, so 
Okay, that's another whole discussion about that, but you, know, you can call me anti-science, but empirically speaking, there is no indication that the sun will ever go out. Sun is forever. Okay, fine. All right. You can be turned off by that. I don't care. It's not a main point in the mimer. The point is that a fire can go out. Candlelight can go out. The sun will never go out. So that's like previous redemptions could go out. And they did go out because they were followed by more exile. But the, the future redemption, which is coming immediately, will never cease. Once we're in that mode, it will go on forever. Mavur b'chsidis, Another reason that, that the Exodus and other redemptions are compared to candlelights because the candles compared to Malchus. We're saying before Malchus is the lower level. Even though Pesach means jumping and therefore sidestepping the different stages, but where does it eventually invest itself into into the level of Malchus? Like we said before, Hashem was jumping ala Pesach. Pesach is Malchus. The opening is Malchus. The Pesach Malchus canal Sifalaf. We said this already in chapter one. Now we understand if the redemption from Mitzrayim and all the other redemptions were Malchus, which is phase one, the ultimate redemption with Mashiach will be like Zah, phase two. Zah is synonymous with Yisait, like we said before. And now that's the connection between the second Pesach and the, and the redemption through Mashiach. Because Pesach Sheni is Zah, is Chabris, Ava, real emotional connection. Atzilos, beyond problem solving, all goodness. And uh, that's Pesach Sheni. And Mashiach is all those things as well, obviously. Kamova. Or like I said before, the pearls instead of the coal. Okay, let's wrap it up. I'm coming up to uh, two hours here. All right. Zion. Virat said, we only paid for two hours of airtime. Virat said, the Rebbe says a prayer. May it be Hashem's will. Know that our Maisa, our work, and our Aveda, and our, our work. Maisa is our act, our actions, our deeds. Aveda is our, our work. By the way, someone can do a computer search and end this real quick, but I believe that the line in Tanya, which is most quoted in all of the Rebbe's Torah, is Pedaglamet Zayin of Tanya. The first line of Pedaglamet Zayin of Tanya, where it says that all the Geluyim of Yemes Mashiach and Chies HaMesim are totally, are dependent on what? Maiseinu Vavedaseinu, our work, our, our actions and our work during Galus. Okay? So, our work, our actions, our work, especially whatever we do that's connected to Pesach Sheni. And I'm not sure if that means simply eating some Shmur Matzah and having a Fabrengen and Zoom this Pesach Sheni, or, or, or if it means everything we've been learning about in the Mimer. I, I think it means everything we've been learning about in the Mimer too, which is, really, please try to connect to that Rebbe within you, that, that, that Sadik Yaseid Oilam, that's just beyond problems, that's just liberated already, that place where you just, you're not struggling, you're enjoying, and, and, and it's all goodness. And when we connect to that aspect of ourselves, and we have that, even us, those of us who are still struggling, we have that part of Yiddishkeit within us, at least for something, 
we have it. So when we do that, which is Pesach Sheni, we bring the redemption closer. What we do personally affects the world. Of course, we know that. And then what happens, not only Mashiach will come, Mashiach will come in an Eifin Shal Diluk. What does it mean, Eifin Shal Diluk? What does it mean, a jump? Like the Medrash says, the curl daddy gave me the medal The sound of my beloved bounding, jumping, skipping over the, 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 the mountains, that's Mashiach. Not a jump, a great jump, the greatest jump. It'll be like Pesach Sheni, but even greater than Pesach Sheni. That if, like we're saying, Pesach Sheni is a jump beyond jumps. The, 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 the second jump makes the first jump look like it's not even a jump. So the Gula jump will be the ultimate jump that'll even make Pesach Sheni look like it's not a jump. It'll pale in comparison. What is that? And what does that mean? It means that it won't have to go through the regular procedures. It won't have to go through the, 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 the standard waiting period. That, 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 well, let me look in the world. How close do we look like we're to Gula? Okay, I could see. It could take, you know, another six months. And a, no. Damn. Immediate. Look at, look at footnote 62. Lahoyer. What does it mean, this, this jump that will be when Mashiach comes? The Begulus Mitzrayim Amru Razal, that when it came to the Exodus, it says, From Rosh Hashanah time. Okay, they didn't leave Mitzrayim until Pesach. Obviously, that's what Pesach is. But they stopped having to work, they stopped the slavery, Rosh Hashanah, six months before. They stopped being slaves, or after having to work as slaves, six months before they actually left. Therefore, we see that leaving Mitzrayim was not from one extreme to the other, it was incremental. There was a, there was a progression, there was an a, a, a evolutionary change, as opposed to a revolutionary moment or a shift to the extent that the Gemara says that Rosh Hashanah already six months before the actual exodus was already called Ischalta de Gula the beginning of Gula the beginning of a process however the future redemption is not going to be that way like the Rambam Paskins to Halacha immediate and, and, and we could say not only immediate, but beyond the, the category of extreme. In other words, there's incremental, that's one thing. Then there's minakotza, from one extreme to the other. And then there's a level where there are no categories of extreme anymore. We're just, <laughs> we're beyond time. We're beyond, we're beyond incremental process. We're beyond uh, evolutions. We're beyond, it just... It happens because it just happens. And well, hold on a second. Nobody saw that coming. Oh, that, that doesn't add up. I wasn't. It's okay. Don't worry about it. So <laughs> the delog here isn't just that redemption compared to Gullah's life will be a delog. But the way that redemption transpires can be in a manner of delog. And we can make it be a delog. The bam, it just can come like a non sequitur, seemingly out of the blue. And ultimately, isn't that what it says? The Ein ben David ba ela behesachadas. What does Hesachadas mean? Hesachadas means not if you ignore Mashiach, Hasvashalom, he'll come. 
the Rebbe said that many times. It means, Behatzachadas means, Lamailaminadas. That no matter what we think, no matter what we think we're ready for, when it happens finally, it's going to be like, bam, wow, that threw me for a loop. That was out of nowhere. No matter how ready we think we are. Okay? So, that's, and that's the way we want it. We want it just, okay. Kepsak din miyad hein Okay. Like the Rambam Paskins. Miyad. Miyad means immediate. Not just from one extreme to the other, minakotza, lakotza, but the Rebbe says, v'yeshlema, There's no even extremes. It's just, there's no barometer for what's normal or what's abnormal. It just, it happened. When Mashiach will come out of nowhere, you won't say, oh, how did it happen? I don't know. That's how it happened. The V'yas Mashiach tzidkeinu, with the coming of Mashiach, Yavavigaleinu, Yelechenu kemiyas l'artzeinu, He should come and redeem us and bring us standing upright to our land, v'mhedav yameinu mamish, literally, in our day. And remember, it's Maiseinu Vavedaseinu. Don't take it lightly. Find that place within you where you're at peace in your relationship with Hashem. Where there's nothing but light. There's no problems. There's no suffering. Mashiach isn't a, an end to problems or a crisis. A relationship with Hashem isn't a, a way of getting the pain to go away. It's not a response to anything. It's not a reaction to anything. It's just infinite, beautiful, blissful light. We can begin experiencing that now to some measure. And uh, when Mashiach will come immediately, that'll be all we will experience for all time. Bless you all. Thanks for spending the past two hours with me.